G'day everyone, my name is Tom Craig and you're listening to my podcast, The Help Side, where we speak to some of the most recognisable names in world hockey and get an insight into who they are, what they're about and what makes them tick. Now if you like what you hear, feel free to follow our socials at The Help Side on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. We'd absolutely love that. Today, we're going back in time to a time where things were done a little differently. Today's guest is former Australian goalkeeper, Bob Proctor. Now by former, I mean Bob won a silver medal at the 1976 Montreal Olympic Games. Bob finished his career with 40 caps across two World Cups and the aforementioned Olympic Games and has since become one of Sydney's most successful coaches, coaching numerous teams to several premierships as well as coaching the New South Wales Australian Hockey League side for a number of years. Bob played in a time where the international hockey landscape was completely different and has some of the best yarns in the business. I don't want to reveal too much about what you'll hear over the next hour and a half. That'll be Bob's job. He's a magnificent storyteller and I can tell you that the time we spent chatting in Bob's backyard over some nuts and a tea was some of the quickest minutes of my life. From being the first Australian team to play on AstroTurf to abandoning a match mid-game in Pakistan amidst a hostile crowd and all the on-tour antics in between, It's a little different this week, but truly absorbing. I hope you enjoy the help side of Bob Proctor. I'm here with legend of Sydney, New South Wales and Australian hockey, Bob Proctor, invited me into his home in the deep south of the Shire. I thought I was lost a few times getting here, but I made it and I'm here and I'm having a cup of tea. Bob, doing well? Uh, Well, yeah, I'm having a cup of tea too. (laughs) That's going to surprise a lot of people, I'd suggest. Mm. Welcome to uh, Ingenine, Tommy. Thanks, mate. It's beautiful to be here. Beautiful house. Soy crisps are good. Um, we're going to rip in. I went past a lot of football fields, grounds, etc. You're a hockey man. Yep. Have been as long as I've been alive. Yep. And some. And a lot. <laughs> and a lot, yeah. Well, why I'm, hockey? I'm 71, started at 13, so it's yeah, a long okay. time. Why, why hockey? Why'd you start? I uh, went to San Susie Private School. Oh, private school, sorry, uh, primary school, mm. and a guy called Don Whitbread uh, was in hockey, played with St George, and one day he said to the school, anyone want to play hockey, and I was playing soccer in the afternoon, and a few of us gone, what's hockey? <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have a go. So they picked us up in, uh, had to be in front of uh, Martin's newspaper shop at Rock, uh, Rocky Point Road, put us in the back of a, uh, a jeep, there was about eight of us. It wouldn't happen these days because no seatbelt. <laughs> Took us to Gardens Park, and those who have played at Gardens Park will say, "God, <laughs> you know, it was a more than a cow paddock." So anyway, they—that's uh, where it started. And then I remember they said, "Where do you want to play?" And I was playing goalie. And remembering, I knew nothing about hockey, uh, and I think I'd never even seen a hockey stick before. So I said, "I play goalie." And they handed me these pads and these things that were kickers and a pair of cricket gloves. And I went, yeah, right. <laughs> I remember saying, but what do I do with these? I know your pads, but what are these other things? Put them on your feet. So anyway, I did that. We played a side called uh, Police Boys. Had a couple of you know, young kids in that could play. And we only lost 1-0. So... Do you make any sense? Probably a couple. So anyway, we got back in the Jeep, dropped us off at... Um, Martin's news agents walked home it's 10 minutes from there walked in mum and dad said how'd you go and I lost oh that's good how'd you play mm, not too bad 
The following week was a contrasting story. We played a side called Don, uh, Dolls Point. It had Ron Riley, Bob Steele, uh, David Durant, a couple of other state players, all good players. So we played that game and finished the game and uh, got in the Jeep, went back home. Mum said, how did you go? We got beat 21-0. <laughs> and my dear mother, God rest her soul, said, did you have a good game? <laughs> and I just looked at her and went, yes, Mum. So she was quite proud of her son who'd let 21 goals in. So that's where it started. And then the following year, I didn't play. I uh, went to high school and then was asked, did I want to play hockey again? So I said, oh, yeah. So I played and dropped soccer and stayed stayed with hockey. And unfortunately, my decision to play um, goalkeeper stayed with me for my whole career. <laughs> I tried very, very hard to get out of it to play. I thought I was uh, a Tom Craig but uh, out in the field, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get out of the bloody net. No, you're staying there. The only time I got out... Uh, which I'll tell you the story later on, um, a couple of times, of course. But, um, yeah, nailed me to that uh, six-and-yard line. I was never allowed out. What, as a striker? Yeah, well, anywhere, just out in the field. I just wanted to get out of goals, but they wouldn't let me get out. I play third grade. No, no, you're staying there. So, yeah, so from a 99.9% of my hockey career has been in the net. Yeah, okay. Uh, a few occasions got out in carnivals or when well, we used to have carnivals in the old days. Um, and I unfortunately had to play that silly Masters uh, stuff. Um, I did that for a year and a half, and I just, nah. This when was, was not, that? Uh, I retired 84. Oh, yeah. 1984, that is. <laughs> and and uh, for a year they said, come and play, well, it was called Veterans. Then, I think yeah, it yeah, was. yeah, yeah. Uh, come and play Veterans. I mean, no, no, no. And remember, Richard Adamick said to me, come and play, you know, have a game and have a beer. And I said, Richard, I don't need to have a game of hockey to have a beer. So, no, thank you. Anyway, I relented and played uh, a year out in the field. The following year, I played a game. And um, I went to Orange for the state championships. Over what it was. It must have been over 40s. And, uh, no, no, it was over 35s. And uh, so I played and... I just didn't enjoy it, so I came back and I just said, I'm not playing anymore. So that's one of the best decisions I've ever made, not playing playing veterans or masters or what it's called. But it's, a lot of guys enjoy it, so good luck to them. Yeah. Back to, back to the start, when you started, yeah. um, can you tell us about what goalkeepers wore in under-13s? I, I imagine it probably would have changed from 13s to... to no, no, well... Or not at all? No, no. They Always were, the same thing. They were cricket pads yeah. with... Um, uh, kickers on them, which yep. some pads had the kickers attached, yep. which I did High wear, tech. did wear, <laughs> did wear uh, for a season or two. Um, and uh, you may not remember the cricket gloves with the ye- yellow, a uh, green back with the spikes on them. They were with spikes. Yeah, well, cricket. They were cr- the cricket gloves. You had spikes on. I, well, I not spikes. Know. It's just rubber. rubber. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, if yeah, you yeah. see old cricket. Um, footage and look yep. at their gut gloves. Yeah, they're they're just um, toweling. Heavy. No, no, just cloth. Okay. Just just your hand. Yeah, okay. And um, and that and that was it. Um, no chest plate in them. And people say, oh, you know, the balls weren't as hard and the six weren't as good. Correct, but the balls were still hard when they yeah. when they got you. 
Um, yeah, so that was it. And then, and then when I sort of got into it a bit more, um, I idolised um, idolised Paul Deering and used to write him letters and used to write back. And um, <clears throat> pardon me, I got he was using these pads that were a lot better um, and kickers still um, not together. And then he came back from '72 uh, with these gloves, um, leather, but they were quite thick, probably an inch and a half, or whatever you call these days, 40 millimeters, centimeters. Um, so I used used those. Uh, they were very good. Got them from they were made in Germany. Uh, so I got a pair of those, and and just you know, there was no nothing like like today. Mm. Um, and certainly not the cost of, of today's yeah, stuff. That's a lot. Yeah. And the worst thing about it is that, um, especially when we, we played uh, on the turf, and 76 on the way to Limits, we went to Limburg in Germany, and we were the first official Australian side to play on unofficial service. And, you know, um, of course, your boots and your sat up, your, your kicker, was above and you got when you're stopping it the kicker wasn't much good because the ball's getting out of the kick and it hurt a bit but um yeah so but with the old cricket gloves that we had um I remember Paul Deering showed me a photo he, when he came back from um um uh, Munich and his hand his hand was black because you know and it was the same thing you you, you stopped it and it just it was just a piece of Material cloth. cloth over your hands. So over you, your hands. You so held you had your stick in one hand. Yeah, yeah. In the, uh, and then the back just said these rippled, so you didn't get it in nickels. But the, you know, your bloody palms were re- black, and but you know that's that's what it was in the day. So could you catch the ball? Yes, but you had to release it straight away. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, today the goalkeepers are laughing. They play tennis with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, blown a few times penalty strokes because the ball had gone forward I mean in those days I mean arcade rules and stuff like that what does that mean just old rules <laughs> I remember one of the worst ones we were playing WA down in Adelaide in 74 and it was the uh, the final and they've come um, Mal Poole's come in and he played inside left coming he's had a shot and I was right on the post and I saved the ball dropped straight down to my, on the kicker and I kicked it and uh, Richard Jewell who happened to be in the Western Australian that's certainly nothing against Richard blew a stroke and of course being a cool calm and collected bloke that I am um, <laughs> went a bit nutty and I said to him how could you buy it you couldn't have even seen it because he was standing behind me um, yeah they got the stroke and we lost 2-1 which was a pain in the backside, but anyway. So, uh, yeah, you could catch it, but you had to release it straight away. Um, Is that yeah. what you'd do? That was a tactic. Like, you you would try and catch it and if try it, Yeah, if you yeah, could catch you it could. and kick the... Not so much of the deflection stuff that people... Well, yeah, yeah, well, sometimes you had to because you just... That's gotcha. what it was. But, you know, you weren't allowed to... The ball couldn't go forward. I mean, you know, and you could shoot anywhere. No the ball couldn't go forward off... Off, off, the, off the hand. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Because it's... They reckon it's propelling the ball. And, yeah, yeah. Same uh, as off your feet or no? No, no as long as it wasn't dangerous. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The um, the interesting thing, well, what I want to know is when you're 13 and you've got experience in football but none in hockey and they strap you up with all this stuff and then you're getting pelted by hockey balls. Or, what did you use? Hockey ball or cricket ball? Or like, what was it? Well, it's the same as a cricket ball. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, stick stitches and stitches, yeah. Do you remember the first time you got hit by a hockey ball? And I imagine you must have thought, 
that was no, I, I, I honestly can't remember, but I'm pretty sure the fact that I just I got over the pads and these kickers was the sh- first shock, and then suddenly realised I'm in there and folks <laughs> hitting the ball. I, I can't quite remember what I thought, but I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been uh, something pleasant. <laughs> but as I said, I just couldn't get out of there, you know. And I, I, probably one of the reasons was because I realised what you had to do with the hockey stick, and I, I couldn't didn't think I could do that. So it was safer staying in the staying in the net, not making a fool of myself. So was it a good team you had? Like what kept you around playing? I mean, it doesn't sound well, like you loved goalie. I don't know. No, no. Well, when I only had that one year and got out, and then played soccer again, and then first year in uh, high school, I came back and said, "said Do you want to play?" Because I used to then play uh, school hockey you know there were about four or five sides in the St George area that played actually on a Wednesday I think it was and I didn't play um, so they asked me would, would I come back and play and I said yeah, I thought about it said yeah righto so then I went back and I played goalie before and it's the only position I knew anything about hockey mm. uh, so I stayed there and I said before I couldn't get out of the joint and and I um Went for uh, under-16 Sydney trial. Mm. Uh, I was at 15, my first year at 16s. Um, made the second Sydney team. And then the following year, I made... Um, yeah, the second team. And then second year, um, I'd made the second team again. And we played down in Goulburn. Freezing cold down in Goulburn, as you possibly know. Anyway, uh, we played Canberra in a, in a final... And um, I got knocked out. And I was, no helmets then? No helmets, no. A guy called uh, um, uh, Rodwell, big unit, ran straight into me, knocked me, knocked me out cold. I was in um, Goulburn Hospital for overnight. Um, and I got picked in the state under 16 <laughs> team from there. And it just, you know, just realised, well, this is my, what must be my destiny to stay in the bloody net and get pounded. <laughs> And as I said, I used to write to Paul Deering and he'd give me some advice and I'd see him. Uh, we became really good friends. Uh, and every time I went up to Newcastle for whatever reason, that the, he'd always come around, we'd have a bit of a chat and a cup of coffee. Um, and in 68, I think it was. No, it wasn't. 67. I was in the under-18s. We were ball boys for... Um, Australia versus Great Britain at the old Sydney Sports Ground, and uh, which is where where was the what do you call it? Stadium is oh, yeah, Olympic Park. Yeah, no, no, no. At um, home at um, Moor Park. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, okay. So you know where the, you know where the they've just pulled down a football stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that, that used to be the Sydney Sydney Sports Ground, Grass Oval. Gotcha. Used to play soccer. Gotcha. And anyway, I was behind the I was behind the net, Bourbon, and. Charlie Morley was their coach and had a walkie-talkie in the back of the net. So he's given Paul directions and whatever, and he had found out, and they, they barred it from there. So, yeah, and I just got a sniff of... And I, it was about when I was that 18, and, and I think I just realised, well, you know, I might be able to play this game if I, you know, take it seriously. And, uh, you know, I started training really, and I love training, both physically and school-wise. Um, and you know, I was never, I was never the most gifted um, goalkeeper in the world. Um, but I bet I 
you know, as far as training and, you know, as I loved it. And that's where I got just through sheer hard work. Um, and I don't regret one moment. Well, I do not winning that bloody gold medal, <laughs> um, which people keep reminding me. <laughs> it's all my fault. I'm not going to put me in it, but yeah. Um, yeah, so it just that's where it where it sort of all started and just went into it. But in the end, I just I just love getting the ball pounded at me. I'd, I'd love to I'd love to put the gear on that it got got today. Yeah, I, I'd love to have a crack at it, just to um, see what it was like. Yeah, I'm not too sure about the helmet. Yeah, I don't think there's don't one. Need that. I don't think there's one big enough for my head. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're saying you'd want to put the gear on today as you are? And have balls. I'm happy to oblige. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Well, I remember you coached me in under 15s and you made me run a lot. <laughs> so I've got a score to settle. Yeah. Well, if I, I've had two new replacements, total new replacements, and the right one uh, is a lot worse than it was before it went in. So I can't bend it all that much. So um, as long as I didn't have to go down, well, well, I'll take that challenge on. All right. Okay. I'll tell you a story about that one at 87. Mm. Uh, I retired 84, Coach of States men's 85. We took a brand new side up to Darwin. And of course it was hot and we can only take 16 players. So my theory was we'll take one goalkeeper and I'll sit on the bench and if someone gets hurt, I was two years out of two years out of not playing. I hadn't put the pads on before. And uh, so um, young Dero was a goalkeeper. And one of Dero's great traits the fact that he was a bloody good goalkeeper he was a buddy lazy trainer and we were up there for the last training session and I said and he took a pair of spare kickers and if you got hurt put the pads on I'll go on fly the next guy up so I said well better get in the net and um, just get a feel for it if something does happen so I said and Dero was just standing there you know I'll be, yeah, oh yeah, I'll try and save this one. So, Dio, get out of the bloody net. Give me your pads. Anyway, there was Fitzpatrick, the Jenninsons, Des King, Bannerman. Uh, it was a bloody good side. They, they, you know, there were a lot of talent out of there. I think there were six or seven went on to play for Australia. Yorkie and Walkie, a bloody good young side. And uh, so I get in there and you could just see the, the, the eyes light up for these. And suddenly I've just gone, I don't think this is the best thing. So I'm standing there, and the first one's gone straight past my head, and I go, oh, Jesus, and I saved a couple. Anyway, I knew I was going to get it. One of them's going to get me sooner or later. So I said, hold it. I said, dear, now get into the net and start training properly. And my heart's going, boom, 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 boom. And the bloke's going, get back in the net, get back in the net. And I'm going, no, nah, he needs to practice. So anyway, the game start, the, the, the tournament started, and... Um, I'm on the bench with the kickers and, and whatever. And after the second game, I realised once I made two changes, I didn't have to mm. go on if Dero got hurt. So I made the two changes really quick, <laughs> and that was it. And someone said to me after, what if Dero had got injured? Who was going to go on? I said, the captain, Scotty Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <in the night. laughs> I'd love to see that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. That one. That's good. Um, tell me about how you made it to the Australian team because um, the pathway is pretty clear these days. Mm. There's a centralised program over in Perth, as you know, and there's a there's quite a vast network throughout oh, the yeah. country. Back in those days, how did it work? 
Well, you went through 16s, 21s, and uh, we were down in Hobart um, in the last year was 70 uh, in, in the under uh, 21s. And um, I had a pretty good tournament, and they picked, uh, you know, one of those official on paper yeah. top 11 uh, squad or whatever. And I got picked in that, and I made the Sydney team. 70 the same year and we went up to Brisbane and played Brisbane had about six seven Australian players in it and we had a real ordinary Sydney team a real ordinary Sydney team and uh, we went up there and we lost one nil mm. and I was pulling them out of my backside <laughs> absolutely pulling them out of my backside and the reason we lost one nil is that I made a save and the ball rolled over the line I picked it up and threw it back around the post and the umpire saw about one-tenth of my hand with the ball and people behind the back and he's throwing it out, he's throwing it out. So obviously a penalty stroke. Wait, is that deserving? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. fine. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Ball, you got to have the line and pick just... that one. <laughs> I gotcha. And, um, and sort of, this is my thinking, is that I sort of got from that 21s tournament and had a good time because one of the Australian selects, Lou Haley, was up in, in, in Queensland. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he obviously seen that game, and I had a few other good games. And what what it was then is that word of mouth, yeah. um, and you had to perform at twenty ones and and seniors. So I sort of got on the on the radar. And after that uh, Hobart game, um, they picked what they called an East Australian side to play against um, an Australian side that were going to New Zealand, and we played it down in Canberra at Monica Oval. And there was some New South Wales guys, ACT guys, some Victorian guys. I think a couple of quick. So we played uh, the Australian side. Um, I think we lost by three or four goals. And it was another game. I was, was pulling them out of my backside. Um, and I probably just, they then, you're on some list or in someone's mind. And that's where it started. As you say, now there's 45 training camps and this, that and other thing. So... It was just a matter of performing at a time when the right people around the right place at the right time, right time, and 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 perform. So, I think that's that sort of 69, 70, 71 was um, where I, I got identified for the use of a better word, and uh, just seemed to have gone from there. Now, if you missed it, last week we spoke to Hockey Roo Glamagirl and 2012 FIH Young Player of the Year, Anna Flanagan. Check it out. There's probably other things going on and that I didn't really know what was happening for me. And so, like, the coaches would be meeting me each week being like, why are you so distant? Why aren't you, you know, you used to be, like, head of the pack, now Mm. you're coming last. Like, Mm. what's going on? Um... And I didn't really have any answers, and but I'd go away on tour and I could still perform and play well. But then my tr- I'd come back and train and it'd just be like, yeah, I really struggled to be there. Um, which I think having that such a long period of time, I probably just needed to just take some time out somewhere. Mm. And that's what I was saying before. Mm. I just couldn't keep going. Um, like I wasn't mentally strong enough at that stage to keep going. And that's when sort of 2016 like fell to pieces for me. Um, like you know not getting picked in Olympics doing the wrong thing um, having that 
couple of months was probably some of the hardest of my life. But then sort of going going to Rio with yourself, <laughs> um, which it was hard, but it also it was still a cool experience. Um, you know, it, I was coming in a completely different view, I guess, as this is your first experience of it. So I'm like, oh, man, I totally could have been there, but I blew it. Um, <laughs> but, like, I got back into the team after that and I worked really hard again, but I just wasn't ready. I needed, some, like, some solid time out. And so when I did get dropped at the end of the year, as much as I didn't want it, um, it like, it needed to happen. And so, you know, I had I was so angry at the coach and, you know, probably said all the wrong things. But in hindsight, like it was my actions that caused and my playing and what was happening with what I was doing that caused me to be dropped. Plenty more where that came from in episode 14 of The Help Side with Anna Flanagan. Be sure to go back and have a listen. But for now, let's go back to Bob. So everyone was at home training and playing in their local comp. Yeah, like the WA yeah. guys played in Perth, yeah. Brisbane, etc., etc., etc. And then how did you, like, it was just up to the coach who they thought was... No, well, they, they you know, they, it's like these days, you, you get Batch in his group going around. I mean, now it's not in one central area. Going around to different games around Australia and, and oh, putting okay. names in little notebooks. And it's like back then, you, you had your two-week tournament and Australian selectors saw who's who in the zoo um, and went from there and then they probably go go away and pick their 16 at that particular time. And I made the Australian team in uh, um, 74 to uh, New Zealand. And I remember I got a phone call from Keith Merton, who was the manager, and it was about quarter to 12. Um, um, I don't know what day it was, but, you know, quarter to 12 at night. <laughs> and uh, he said, it's Keith Merton here, and I, I knew Keith. And he said, you've just been picked in the Australian side. And I was living down at Brighton. And I got up at half past four the next morning and went for a went for a run. <laughs> I was I was that excited and, and um, yeah. So we played uh, we we played um, over in New Zealand. Before that, they had uh, the Dutch came out, who were the world champions in '73 World Cup in Pakistan. And uh, my first test was at um, Manningham on grass against the Dutch. And uh, I thought my career was over before it even started. The ball came through, and of course it was on grass. I went to kick the shit out of it, and the ball—I <laughs> think my head was like a golf shot. And my head went up in the air, and foot went this way, the ball went that way, and it—it—it uh, it, um, it ended up uh, being a 16. I missed it in my first sort, <laughs> one and only test. <laughs> and then, and then in the second half, Jimmy Mason from Queensland uh, was on the post, and in those days. You could the short corner hitter could put it anywhere. Mm. None of this back, you know, flicking Backboard it. stuff. And Tease Cruz, the, the um, world leading hard hitter of that particular time, highest goal scorer in the '73 World Cup. He's come up. Meso's on the on the right post, and I'm going out a couple of steps. And the next minute, you hear crack. I've turned around to Meso. Meso's looked at me, and it's hit the post on the corner shoulder height and by the time we both looked around the ball was just going over the sideline <laughs> and I said to Jim I said did you see that he went nope <laughs> if it did Jim he was he was a gonski so that was my uh, 
introduction to international hockey. Um, unfortunately, that missed kick at the start of my career uh, didn't impound on future <laughs> selections. So uh, yeah, so that was that's where you know probably again, you know, well my hard training move. Merv Adams was the um, coach at the time. Wonderful man, wonderful man. And uh, from WA. And uh, he had a, you know, he was just training your backside off, and that's where I learned it from. And Kenny Walk Sr., he was another bloody hard man that the harder you work, the better you got. And those two really installed what I believe in. That's why I try and tell these young kids, and through my coaching, the same thing. You know, I hate blokes that take the easy way at training. Um, and those who do take the easy, easy way usually fail and end anyway. So, yeah. So you know, it was just through sheer hard work that I stayed where I, where I did. As mm. I said, I wasn't the most gifted at the start, um, because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, and I just realised I just had to work hard. I remember I used to, and you know, as a uh, field player, you can get some cones, you can do this, hit it against the wall, and whatever. Try and train on your own when you're a goalkeeper. It's pretty hard. Mm. Um, but I did a few things that were, I believe, were beneficial to me. And um, yeah, um, what were they? Well, I used to kick tennis balls against the without pads or anything on, just with sand shoes or whatever. Um, tennis balls. I used to um, throw golf balls at the wall using the old Don Bradman mm. theory. Um, I used to get in the backyard of my place because back then. Those who saw me, saw me play, you know, used to do a lot of sliding and be able to get up quickly so you make the save and you're up on your feet to, for the next shot. And I used to spend, you know, a couple of nights a week just in the backyard, put a sheet down so I wouldn't ruin Dad's <laughs> grass if it didn't help, um, and just practice my technique, going down, getting up and, and things like that. And it's a bit like I saw a thing with you when you you were showing when you, you know, your ability to go left and bust into the, remember that? video that I saw about a month ago I saw it just those sort of things simulating what happens in a game um, I used to do a massive amount of um, stretching um, you know I could I can still now uh, touch the ground with the palm of my hands well, I haven't tried for a couple of months but <laughs> I was able to um, and you know I'd be I'd be in a park and just chatting I'd be doing stretching mm. uh, I'd be at a in a railway station there'd be a seat there and I'd stretch so I did a heap amount of stretching um, yeah and it just just doing things that was going to make me better as mm. said and you know Don Bradman with the golf ball mm. you know there's a there's a story about your vertical jump as well well uh, I, everyone does those I, Someone said it was good. <laughs> I don't know, mate. I don't know what's good or bad. I just do it. Um, there was a. I've got it down in the in my room dance in the um, rumpus room downstairs. When we when we made the final of the uh, the Olympics in '76, um, they had a little bit on all the all the players, and for some unknown reason, it said words to the effect that I have a gymnastic rating. <laughs> Where did that one come from? But um, yeah, uh, as I said, if, if you know, the more shots on goals you get, the better you get. The mm. more stretching and, and um, uh, throwing leg leg out that extra two or three inches, which I believe I was able to do. I mean, I've, I've probably saved more more balls on the um, base of my foot and the ball of my foot than I 
you know, trying to get that extra four or five inches. And you know, I always say that, you know, um, goalkeepers save these ones in the air. I mean, you could save them all bloody day. It's that one that's that in the corner, or 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 that one. You know, Joe Bloggs might go two feet, and the real good bloke will go two feet and four or five inches more. Yeah, gotcha. And I remember. Um, 74, Graham Reed from ACT was a goalkeeper and they were playing the Dutch New South Wales played Pakistan beforehand and then and the Dutch blokes whacked his um, ball and was going and no face marks in those days and Graham Reed just got his hand up in front of his face and saved it and someone said to him that's a great save he said well it wouldn't have been I've been if I hadn't saved it <laughs> you know so a lot of it in those days was survival I mean you see kids these days get hit in the bloody helmet yeah, they, yeah. they use it it's yeah. a tool. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's, I mean, the ball sticks are that much bloody better now and things like that. So, you do need helmets and mm. stuff like that. Mm. Um, it seems like the gear in those days afforded you a fair bit more mobility. I mean, and as well with the cricket gloves. I could, did you ever hold the. Were you ever like an extra field player or. Nah. Never. Nah. And the amount of fitness that you did, was it just kind of explosive stuff or did you find that going for yeah, runs? Yeah, no, I, I, a lot of. Uh, Six and yard sprints, yeah, okay. as far as I could go. <laughs> did a lot of short stuff, real short stuff. Yeah. Um, did the hundreds. Used to go for, you know, road runs and stuff like that. Um, a lot of um, stretching exercises, as I said before. But, you know, I'm a firm believer as a goalkeeper. Your hips, where your hips go, that your leg goes. And I used to do a heap on my hips rotation and stuff like that. Um, and I honestly believe that, you know, I was in the top group as far as, and this is no disrespect to anybody else, but I knew I had to do it. Um, and, I, and I love training. Um, and I did a bloody lot, you know, probably six days a week I was training, mm. you know, so. Mm. And you guys do the same thing mm. now. Mm. But it's difficult when you're a goalkeeper on your Pat Malone. Sure. Greg Corbin, uh, he was quite helpful. Um, he used to, he had his own business and uh, at the time there I was couldn't get a job because I was going away and didn't want people you know so he'd, we'd make a point go down to Solo Park down there Hockey Park and he'd build a thousand balls at me had a young kid at St George Matt Hennon who was you know 15 and obviously he couldn't be used to roll balls at me throw throw thing, throw balls at me um, yeah just just getting your technique right yeah, yeah okay okay Back in the day, I can't imagine like hockey these days isn't a professional gig by any means, especially in Australia. Right. I can imagine it would be even more so um, back in the day. Did you have another job to support you throughout that time, or you just? Wait, I was cleaning. Uh, Greg Corbin had a cleaning company. I was working for him, uh, cleaning in the morning clubs and, and whatever. Um, <laughs> worst experience there. They had a New Year's party at Brighton RSL. I was cleaning there. And I went in there um, in the morning and it was just like a bomb had hit it. And I said, Jesus, I don't want to do this no more. So I did it, and myself and a, a, a lady, we were the ones, but you needed, you needed a team of 50. And we were there for hours and hours. And I rang Corbo up and said, mate, thanks, but. <laughs> and I got a job at Armaguard. I went for a few other jobs. You know, you're playing hockey, you know, bad luck and stuff like that. Mm. I got yeah you know, got got through got through it had enough money to do what I had to came back from Montreal with uh, two dollars seventy six in my bank account <laughs> now I've got a home in England so 
worked out well. <laughs> worked out well. Can you tell us about what going on tour was like in those early days? Your first tour was in New Zealand, as you yeah. said. Yeah. Um, tell us about the places you've been to and the things you've seen. Well, New Zealand. Um, went down to... The, the, the tournament was at Christchurch after the Commonwealth Games. And uh, so we flew down to Invercargill and we played Pakistan. And uh, the night before, the boys were in the hotel, just it was freezing cold, uh, just having cups of teas and talking. And someone said, Listen, who's the fastest player in the team? <laughs> so <laughs> the challenge was we'll go out uh, in the main street and when the lights went green, the race was on to whatever point it was. And Graham Reed was was the other goalkeeper, and he was quite quick. And I think he finished second or third or something. Greg Brandy may have won. I'm not 100 percent sure, but so when we played Pakistan there, and uh, lost by the odd goal, I played in that game. And then we flew into Dunedin. And we had some really bad flyers in the team. I'm talking about Charlesworth was one of the worst. And and there, so there was a few of them. And we're coming to Dunedin, and Dunedin's quite a windy place, and you go in there. And there was this almighty crack. And some idiot <laughs> yelled out, the wing's broken. <laughs> well, <laughs> there was, ah, oh, and this and F and that. And we got down, and blokes were shaking. And... <laughs> So yeah, then we got in the Christchurch and played played the test, or played the tournament. Uh, the following um, seventy five. Remember, I played from seventy four to seventy nine. I played forty tests, and you guys play forty tests in one year now. And in seventy seven after the Olympics, Australia only who, who were finalists, silver medalists, only played four tests of hockey. And the four tests were against New Zealand. Two in New Zealand and two in Australia. <laughs> Is that how it worked? You had to organise your own test well, matches? Well, I don't know why. Yeah, okay. And not many I tournaments either. Not many tournaments. No Champions Trophy, no... Well, don't take me down that path. I'm a bit, All right. bit dirty on that to the, <laughs> to the selectors. Right. <laughs> um, no, so then we... Uh, they picked the um, World Cup team to go play in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, went to Pakistan. Uh, before that, for two and a half weeks in Pakistan. What was that like? Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, you've been to India and, uh, you know, of course you can't go to Pakistan. And we flew into Pakistan, you know, really not knowing what, what we're going to see. You. And went to a, um, got off a plane and it's just like in India, you know, throw stuff over you and hug you and kiss you and all that sort of stuff. And we went to a, our first game was against a regional side in Maltan. So we're in the carts, you know, the chariot carts and the donkey pulling you. And we're seeing all these people on the side of the road. I mean, it it, it was confronting. Mm. And so we, and the worst, and I can still see like it was yesterday, there was a, a bloke with his legs chopped off to just below his hips on a, um, a board with wheels on it, push himself along with hands. And I mean, I can still see it's like, I often think about it, how lucky I am and, you know. Um, so anyway, we, we played the all 10 and then we went to Royal Pindi and played the first test. And it was chockers. And the president's missus 
I can't remember her name, Buto, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, she's been introduced to all the all the players from both sides, and Laddie Ian Cook decides, and Cook is a bit of a bit of a ladies' man, you know, and he kisses her. Well, we thought there was going to be a riot, you know, just on the peck on the cheeks. So anyway, we played that game, got beat two one. Mm. That was against against yeah, the packs. Yeah, we played four tests over there. Yeah, and then uh, one of the tests was a hall. Um, we went into the, this hotel at Lahore and Jimmy Irvine came out, forget who he was with. And when you opened the door, the ones I was, I was, I was with Mal Poole, it stunk. It had been locked up for 10,000 years. It was putrid. <laughs> and we're going, oh, bloody hell. Anyway, Jimmy Irvine comes out of his room and, and we're all gathered outside our rooms going, oh, this is no good. And Jim had gone in his room smelling, and in the toilet, someone had forgot to flush the toilet, <laughs> you know. So anyway, the idea was Merv, uh, Keith Merton says, this is, this is not going to happen, we're not staying here. So he went off and he was gone for hours. And uh, we ended up get, getting to a uh, four or five star hotel, which was quite good. Mm. And it's like, you, know, you, you look good, and as soon as you get out, you're in, you know, you're in the bloody terrible place. But one day, Ian Cook, Terry Walsh and myself decided, well, we'll just go for a little wander out, see what's happening. Well, we'll turn and left, we'll turn right, then suddenly <laughs> we just get deeper and deeper into these, <laughs> into the mile. And, you know, Cook, he's a you know, reasonably big guy, and, you know, Terry Walsh, even though he's bigger now, was, you know, pretty big. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm getting between you guys. So we, we walked around there for a while, and we, we got back there, and, uh, and then we played. And we were actually staying on the same floors as the West Indian cricketers, mm. and they were in the last day of playing at the at the stadium. We were playing at um, Gafardi or something like that, and uh, so that was good. We had good conversation, and the we were listening to it on the radio. And in those days, some of the decisions were questionable. And when the when the West Indians came back, we were talking to them. And they're going bloody cheese. <laughs> So that we had a little cricket game in the in the hallway as you do when you're th- with them. So that was that was a good experience. Met mm. some of the bloody good cricketers. Um, then we we played them, and the stadium was just it was like a coliseum, and it was white. It was just white, and there were twenty five thousand people at the game, and they were all packed on one side because the field was on the other side. And we got knocked off three one. I think they give us a bit of a touch up. And you'll love this story is that the game's over and and, and there, I think there's four or five Australians came over and they introduced themselves. Guess where they're from? Ride Hockey Club. Were they? <laughs> I can't remember they're their everywhere. name. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, so that one's and then and then the third one. But the fourth test was it was in Hyderabad, and we were playing Argentina in the rounds of the World Cup, and it was decided that. Um, um, I think it was it was Mal Poole and Barry Dancer were to stay behind to watch the Argentinian game while the rest of us go up to Hyderabad and play this last test. And you you go left out of, out of it, and then you go down this one street and for a thousand hours and you go back into. So we get to this ground and there's people everywhere, packies everywhere, and they're chanting and carrying on. So. We get out of the bus and, you know, crowds, just like India. So we, we get out of the bus and get in the sheds 
and get ready to go out. Shall we go out? And the, the, the field was surrounded by people. So I've gone down the net to, to, and they're hanging off the back of the net. And the goal net. The goal net. <laughs> they were sitting, sitting um, just back, probably a metre from the back line, maybe two metres. They had a little, uh, 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 it was about eight inches high to stop the ball from rolling. Plastic. That was it, right? And these people on the sitting, right? And I remember Ian Cooks and uh, I think it was Wally Hammond were warming me up. And of course, they're missing the net sometimes. And because they were so packed, they're hitting these people and they can't move because they're just packed like sardines, right? And um, they're chanting and carrying on. And so anyway, there was a bit of a lull and next minute you hear this thud. And as I look at it, at it inside left about 10 yards in the circle, someone had thrown an iron bar <laughs> in an L shape. So so we're going... This is mid-game or in the warm-up? No, warm the warm-up. Yeah. It gets better. It gets better, trust me. <laughs> so anyway, we've gone, Jesus. And um, the the military were there. And I don't know what they call them, the big sticks, and they've got brass on the end of it of about 300 mil. And they're built in these people. Yeah, okay. They're just built The spectators. The spectators, yeah. So the, the military bloke comes in, picks his iron bar up, and just throws it straight back into the crowd. <laughs> so I'll just donk somebody. So the warm-up's finished. We go and get ready, run on, do all the official stuff. We go go down, and they're at the back of there. Oh, golly, you let balls in. And they're going like this, and I'm turning around. And, and so the game's been going like 10 minutes or so. And then there's a bit of a eruption in the crowd. So the game stops. And the game starts up again. Well, I suddenly realised the crowd is getting a bit agitated. And so did our management. And on the third occasion, I'd actually gone back standing in the net. It was the mm. safest place. Because <laughs> the stuff was coming onto the field. Oh, the whole time? Oh. Were Pakistan losing? or was it, was it just... No, no, no. Oh, we, were, we were playing quite well. Yeah, I think yeah, we were one up, one up or something. But we were, we were really giving it to them. And so the third time comes off. <laughs> stops the game. And what happens is that what happened is management have called the team off. We're going in the sheds; it's dangerous. Well, I'm turned around looking; these crowds going ballistic behind me, and I've looked up, and there's only one Australian bloke on the field. It's me, <laughs> and I've gone bloody hell! What am I doing? So I've gone on my bike and gone over there. We've gone into the sheds. And Keith Merton says, "We've got two choices: we either go back out and play, or we get out of the joint." Mm. Um, let's get out of the joint. <laughs> so, what stage of the game is this? Like before half time? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The game early. Yeah. Oh yeah. First half. <laughs> I think there were three stoppages in like 20, 25 minutes. And uh, so we decided. So we got our gear. We go out the back door, get onto the bus. And by this time, they've come. They've come out. All these spectators get around the bus, throwing rocks, <laughs> rocking the boat, a rocket, rocking the bus. <laughs> and one of the I think it was Trevor Smith he was looking out the window and the rock hit hit the bar between if it hit the glass it would have mm. yeah so we got out of there and uh, we got we got back and uh, Barry Dancer and uh, Mal Poole going we could hear it, what was happening so that game got abandoned and 
and that was the last game. Then we went on to. What did the media make of that? Like the you, the media? Did was there a write up in the in the Pakistani oh, yeah, Times or something? What yeah. were they saying? Like cowardly Australians? Yeah, probably something like that. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I I do have some articles, but I, I haven't obviously read them for a while. But yeah, that was that was a little bit scary. And another one is that we were on that same trip, and we were going up through some mountains, and, and Trevor Smith had a. Uh, a camera he take, took with him everywhere and he's taken photos everywhere we went we, went, we always had a, a guard with a rifle in the, in the, in the bus so Terry Terry uh, Trevor sorry he's taken this um, taken photos next minute this guy's got off the back seat and over over his hand he grabs Trevor's camera and pulls it back off him and no 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 and kept it and gave it back to him later but it was really experience it was um, as I said see some of the things I saw you're just lucky you're living mm. in a joint like this I can tell you mm. I mean we, we might whinge about some stuff but Christ not mind well India, India's the mm. same mm. Yeah. did you get a chance to go out and see any of the natural world or was it all kind of confined to cities just, and yeah that was the well, well the four one, the four places we went we went to uh, a couple of more long bus trips you know just desert yeah you know so uh, like we didn't go like you did, did an Indian go and see the tales from art or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure there's something there like that, but we we never saw. Yeah. And then after we finished there, two and a half weeks, we went on to the um, World Cup in KL. Okay. Similar mm. experience or completely different? Oh, completely different. I mean, you're you're in the you're in um, all in the one room as you know in in World in hotel in World Cups, um, and it was massive. Mm. It was massive. Uh, Indian Pakistan played in the final. Mm. Uh, they had an Indian uh, umpire that made a, uh, an interesting decision, and the whole place nearly, you know, mm. blown up. Um, India won it, mm. um, and then we we played India in a game, and we lost four three. We had four flicks and missed them all. Four like penalty strokes. They had three and got them all. Jeez, <laughs> who can we name and show? Who was who was the stroke taker? Uh, I remember Charlie was mm-hmm. Herbie Haig. Might have been Trevor Smith. Different stroke takers every time. Yeah, well, I think after the first two we were in trouble, but four um, wow. saved or missed the goal. Goal, he saved them. Right, good keeper. Well, it's better than me. I let them all in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They had three. I let them all in. He had four and saved them all. We lost. Uh, yeah, so that put a bit of dent in our semi-final mm. um, charge. Um, and another, we had to go to play Guyana. We won nine zip. We had to catch a plane at like five o'clock in the morning, play the game and come back again. So it was, you know, it, it, it was good. Um, taxing. And, and then after that... And, uh, 76 was um, we did Tour of Europe and then on the Olympics That's all for part A please join us on the flip side for part B where we talk about Bob's silver medal in Montreal his coaching philosophy and family life see you soon